evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday night we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, sometimes the events of our bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. It's three hours of rationality in a world of ever-increasing insanity, and tonight it's also Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to you and to you, Leah Brandon. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much. I'm doing okay. I'm sure that um, when you were thinking about your life, uh, the most romantic thing that could happen on Valentine's Day is driving in the <laughs> middle of the night within a car with no oil trying to get to be co-host <laughs> of the John and Leah show. That's pretty much the fantasy of every girl, isn't it? Uh, but, yes. But, but thank you for <laughs> soldiering through and getting to your Birmingham, Alabama studio. By the way, I, I do the show from uh, just outside of Los Angeles where it was unseasonably warm this weekend. In fact, Lee, I'm thinking it might be part of global warming. Yeah, I, that's exactly what it is. And the unseasonably cold as well, record temperatures, that's global warming too. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I for, you know, I hadn't even really paid much attention to the rest of the country. Are you saying that there's been cold elsewhere? Oh, my gosh. The coldest temps in a decade. But it's been like five degrees warmer than normal here, so that's probably global warming. Uh, let's it look, is. That, you know, only the insanity that is the global warming people could come up with a logic that would uh, understand that, but uh, I digress. Uh, obviously, there is a ton to talk about. The, the weather is a huge story for a lot of people, and I hope you're hanging in there. If you are in one of the markets that hear this program where it is unseasonably very, very cold, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, mm. Pittsburgh, uh, places like that, you can check out all of our stations at our newly updated, and I mean literally in the last couple of days, updated website, which is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to check it out, not just to see the 22 stations that broadcast uh, this program, but we got a couple of cool new features, and we also have, you know, I, I say every, at the top of every hour, the show is unique, um, and I don't lie, and I don't exaggerate. I guarantee there's no other... Sunday night program in America that is about to have a major billboard in a uh, top 50 market uh, for the next three months. But you can see the image that will be seen in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where I used to work at WHAS AM talk radio there. Uh, I love Louisville. I love everything about Louisville. Well, it's because you're a horse person. Of course you do. You bet I am. (laughs) But uh, I was unceremoniously and infamously fired there over a decade ago. And tomorrow... Bizarrely, and I the, the story behind this I'll tell at some point because it's it's truly strange even by my standards. Uh, there will be a major billboard that you can check out the not the actual billboard but the image uh, on which the billboard is based at our website www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And if you happen to be listening on WHAS, make sure you keep an eye out uh, starting tomorrow, probably tomorrow afternoon, uh, in Eastern Louisville, Shelbyville Road. Very prominent billboard, and uh, would love. By the way, if you happen to Get a picture of it. Please uh, tweet it to me or Facebook it or whatever. I'd love to see it in actual person. But there's a couple other features at freespeechbroadcasting.com that I want you to check out as well, uh, including my Twitter feed um, and a map of the United States with all of our stations, uh, some of my most recent columns, uh, how to connect with Leah and myself on Facebook and Twitter, all sorts of things. Check it out www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, um, there is a ton to talk about this week. 
uh, probably even more than last week. I thought last week was going to be the most jam-packed John and Leah show ever. This might Listen, be. Listen, it's every week. I mean, every week. Right. It's just crazy. Well, this one got even crazier, obviously, yesterday afternoon with the death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. And I know, I'm pretty sure, Leah, that you remember that at least on two or three occasions in the one-year-plus history of the John and Leah show, I have mostly seriously, with only a partial joke involved, I have um, been very adamant as to how concerned I am that the fate of the free world basically rests on the 79-year-old heart of a obese person named Antonin right. Scalia. Yes. And um, and and I also have said, I believe I was. This is a direct quote. I said, "How does this guy not have 24-hour armed guard and 24-hour doctor supervision? Because yeah. that's how important Antonin Scalia was to the fate of this country, especially with Barack Obama as president." And I have to tell you, while I am devastated by his death, and it's important that we not lose sight of the personal aspect of this. I mean, the media went. Right from he's dead to, okay, who's replacing him? I mean, that, that was, it took like eight seconds. Um, there was barely any eulogizing at all for this great man. Um, There's a lot of hate on Twitter, just disgusting, despicable hate. Well, I, I loved the guy. I loved his intellect. He was an incredible, by far, the best Supreme Court justice of my lifetime, maybe ever, who knows. Um, although I'm fighting, you know, it's funny how you are weird, how you all go through different stages of grief. And I tend to go through stages differently than most people for better, or for worse. Um, I, I think the Republican party and a lot of conservatives are, are still in the state of denial about what this is going to really mean. I'm going to get into that, uh, in the next segment. I'm actually, um, kind of ticked at Scalia. I, I am too. I, I, how dare he? Well, we don't know how he died for sure, but you got to believe his heart gave out, right? I mean, that would be the most logical explanation. I, um, I don't know, and the stories are conflicting, and okay. I, I just don't well, know. If the, story, the first story is often not true, but if the story right. is true, that he said, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to go to bed. By the way, who are the if, – if there was a conservative <laughs> friend with him – I, I'm even more pissed at that person. If you're a conservative on a hunting trip with Antonin Scalia, and he says, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to bed, how the hell do you let that happen? I mean, seriously, <laughs> how do you let that happen and not get him to, to go see a doctor? That's I, why I say he had to have been with liberals. I mean, I know you say that half-jokingly, but, I mean, it's, 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 I'm being serious. How do you let that happen? And if you're Scalia, how do you let yourself at that age be in such terrible physical condition? Right. I, I mean, if He's I don't. He's Italian. He likes to eat. All right. Okay. But it's the fate of the free world we're talking about here. I mean, yeah. make no mistake. And this is not hyperbole. This is, this is not exaggeration. The death of Antonin Scalia will have a far greater impact on actual events in this country than if Barack Obama had died of natural causes yesterday. Yeah. And it's not even close. It is not even close. And so when you're that person and you know so much is riding on your so shoulders, you have a responsibility, especially with Barack Obama to be president, to make damn well sure you do everything you can to make sure you survive. Because you love this country. And this country is in a whole heap load of trouble without you now. Now, obviously, he did not consciously make the decision to, you know, put himself in jeopardy of dying. 
But um, I hope he enjoyed all that pasta. And again, I, 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 you know, I love the guy. It's probably too early, but we only are on once a week. And who, you know, and I obviously want to find out for sure how he died before I, I really go off the cliff on that. But, but I'm, I'm just talking about this from the standpoint of how I'm dealing with it personally. I'm feeling anger towards him right now. And, and, and I want to find out more about who those people were that were with him and what the hell they were thinking. Letting, letting Anton and Scalia go up to his bedroom feeling not well. What, are you kidding me? I mean, right. Uh, uh, All right. So um, I want to talk about uh, what this means, because it means a lot. And it means a, probably things that are different than what you're being told elsewhere, because this program, we don't care about anything but the truth. We don't we don't do happy talk. Um, we're going to tell you the truth about what this really means and how this is all going to go down. And we'll do that when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Tons to get to. We'll get to all of the political news this week and a whole lot more uh, in the next uh, two and a half uh, plus hours. Uh, Interesting and appropriate. We come back with uh, holding out for a hero, Leah Brandon, because uh, the conservative movement has never had a greater hero than Antonin Scalia, nor have we ever lost a hero at a more inopportune time uh, than what happened yesterday with the death of an Antonin Scalia. Um, before we get into the political aspects of that, because they, they absolutely are political aspects and, and they're going to go right into the presidential race, I do want to talk a little bit more about the personal, because this was a great man and the man, the likes of which we are not going to see again. Mm-hmm. Never going to happen again. Um, this was a man who was nominated by Ronald Reagan and was confirmed by a unanimous vote of the hmm. U.S. Senate. Boy, that would never happen now. Oh, he couldn't get even a vote today. Mm-mm. He couldn't, I mean, especially if the Democrats controlled the Senate. He couldn't even, he could not get a vote. That's how much things have changed. In fact, that stat I just gave you probably indicates more about how much things have changed in Washington than anything else I could tell you. Because... No way he gets to confirm today, probably doesn't even get a vote. He was confirmed unanimously. And he was also loved by his fellow jurists, including his arch-ideological enemy, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yeah. his best friend. Yep. Um, Ginsburg released this statement after the death of Scalia. And for those who don't remember, Ginsburg is the elderly lady who's very, very liberal on the court. She wrote... Toward the end of the opera, Scalia Ginsburg, tenor Scalia and soprano Ginsburg sing a duet. We are different, we are one. Different in our interpretation of written texts, one in our reverence for the Constitution and the institution we serve. From our years together at the D.C. Circuit, we were best buddies. We disagreed now and then, but when I wrote for the court and received a Scalia dissent, the opinion ultimately released was notably better than my initial circulation. Justice Scalia nailed all the weak spots and gave me just what I needed to strengthen the majority opinion. He was a jurist of captivating brilliance and wit with a rare talent to make even the most sober judge laugh. And she finishes by saying, it was my great fortune 
to have known him as a working colleague and a treasured friend. That's mm-hmm. Ginsburg, the most extreme liberal on the court. By the way, don't let the news media tell you that that's what Scalia was all about, because they, they, to, to them, they were he was basically a racist. Oh, and, yeah, and, hateful, and, hated gays. Right. And then there's Clarence Thomas. And Clarence Thomas is the guy I probably feel most for in all of this who's still living. I mean, not, not, I'm, I'm talking about from a, the court standpoint. Um, you know, people joke all the time, and there's some truth to it, you know, that basically Thomas does whatever Scalia told him to do. Uh, and they say it in a racial context, like he's somehow oh, a that's slave. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It was not that kind of relationship, but Scalia, Scalia was the talker, and Thomas was not a talker. And they happened to agree on almost everything because they had the same uh, judicial philosophy, not because Thomas was just doing what he was told. And, well, now, you know, his right-hand man is gone, and Thomas uh, released this statement. Justice Scalia was a good man, a wonderful husband who loved his wife and family, a man of strong faith, towering intellect, a legal giant, and a dear, dear friend. In every case, he gave it his all to get to the broad principles and the small details right. Virginia and I are deeply saddened by his sudden and untimely death. Our prayers and love go out to Maureen and the Scalia family. It is hard to imagine the court without my friend. I will miss him beyond all measure. Clarence Thomas. That's the right and left of the court reacting to the death of Antonin Scalia. All right, so we've lost a great man, a great uh, Supreme Court justice, and a, a great champion and hero to the conservative movement. And as I referenced in the first segment, Leah, it appears to me as if most conservatives, especially conservative leaders, specifically Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, are in the denial stage of, yes, they are. of grieving the loss of Antonin Scalia. They want to pretend, no, 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 we're not going to be forced to allow Barack Obama to replace Antonin Scalia. That's not going to happen. We're in an election year. No, 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 Don't even tell us about what's going to happen over the next nine months. No, no, no. We're going to be able to hold down the fort, and we're going to make sure that there are no votes on anybody that Barack Obama nominates. Boy, isn't that a nice idea. Isn't that that'll change this week. Yeah, is that what your prediction is? You think it'll hold a week? Oh, yeah. You think the fort gets held for a week? Yes, a week. Because Barack Obama will have his nominee this week. Well, you know, I think it's fascinating uh, to contemplate, and we will do so, what Obama's going to do here. Because um, contrary to what Mitch McConnell suggested in the statement, by the way, speaking of Mitch McConnell's statement, people should reread that statement. He uses the word should. There you go. Should. Not will. Should. Should doesn't mean crap in this Come circumstance. Come on, he's fine. He is no Harry Reid. Uh, well, because he doesn't have the media on his side. Harry Reid can, can do whatever he wants, and the media goes, oh, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And and the media, this, the media is going to play a humongous role in this. The, the media is the wind on this. It's just like a, a government shutdown. Republicans can never win a, a government shutdown because the media explains it to the stupid people, and guess who they side with? That's why I'm not optimistic about how this is going to go down, but we'll give you the specifics about how I think it will and get Leah's reaction when we return on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Some cool new stuff there that you'll want to check out when you get a chance, including podcasts from each of the last uh, seven months or so of John and Leah shows at freespeechbroadcasting.com. We're talking about the death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. We'll get to all the political, the direct political news in the next hour. Obviously, there is a very political aspect to this death because now we have to figure out what's going to happen with his replacement right in the middle of a very contentious presidential election. And, Lee, it sounds like uh, you and I are on the same page here, although you you might even be more pessimistic than I am, which is really saying something. Um, <laughs> you, you think that McConnell, Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, uh, will uh, cave in a week. Um, yes. I, I don't see that happening. But let's let's take a look at where the the cards are dealt in a, through the prism of the real world as opposed to this delusion uh, that I think is kind of a um, – a protection, a mechanism to to deal with the grief. I mean, there's the personal grief of Scalia losing, and then there's the grief of, oh, my God, we lost the Supreme Court probably forever. Um, And I think denial is the stage in which a lot of conservatives are in. Here's the deal, all right? Let's game plan this. So you're Mitch McConnell. By the way, I got to know Mitch McConnell a little bit. I went to a football game once with him while I was in Louisville. Uh, Interviewed him once. Didn't like him. Uh, He's an incredibly political person. Good at yes. it. But he's he's not that good at it. Well. He's no Harry Reid. I mean, he, he does not stand for his party he, at all. He doesn't have the options that Harry Reid has. But let's that's another story, which we, yeah. we're, believe me, we're going to be talking about this for months. So <laughs> so let's take this one step at a time. But here here's where we are politically on this. So you got Mitch McConnell, who is not a Ted Cruz. If Ted Cruz was the Senate majority leader, which would never happen. But, you know, if, if Ted Cruz was the Senate majority leader, and I'm not a fan of his as a presidential candidate, but I've always said I'm glad he's in the Senate and that's where he belongs. If he was the Senate majority leader, I would have zero doubt this was that's going right. this was going to DEFCON one or five or whatever. the, <laughs> the, the Thermonuclear. Right. There would be no backing down. We're dying on this hill. And and it's one to die on. I well, that's an interesting question. Is this the hill to die on? Because if you're not going to die on this one, which one are you going to die on? That's right. Because this is as big as it gets, especially in a presidential election year. However, here's the reality. All right. So you're Mitch McConnell. I'm guessing about half of Republicans, and tell me if you think I'm way off on this, about half, to half of Republicans, this is the issue. This is the hill to die on. We are, you know, people like you and I realize the importance of Scalia's death, realize the importance of his replacement, and think that there is nothing more important than this. The other half of the Republican Party, like Jeb Bush said oh. today, did you see this? <laughs> Jeb Bush. I did. I, could, I couldn't believe it. Jeb Bush finished an answer in a television interview about this saying, it's not that important to me. That's Oops. right. Oops. I mean, are you serious? Oops. I mean, Jeb Bush. I mean, now, this now, is nothing is that important to him. Open borders. Okay. You know, it, it, nothing is that important to him. Well, it, it, the reality is I can understand why Jeb doesn't want to talk about uh, Bush judicial appointments, because a lot of them hadn't worked out real well. Uh, so this is not his favorite issue. This is Ted Cruz's favorite issue, with, is. without a doubt. Although I thought 
getting ahead of ourselves. I thought Cruz kind of missed a little bit of an opportunity last night. I thought I was expecting him hit, for him to hit a grand slam, and I think he at best hit a double. Um, but let's let's hold off on that because I want to get through the political realities of this. So Cruz is obviously not the Senate Majority Leader. You got a an ultimate politician and bean counter, vote counter, and Mitch McConnell. You have about half the base that is as energized as could possibly be on this issue. But you got to remember, half the base ain't anywhere near enough to carry an election of any kind. You got right. the other. You got the other half that's like Jeb. Eh, it's one vote on the Supreme Court. It's not that important to me. <laughs> um, so, so, so now you got it. You're in an impossible situation if you're Mitch McConnell because. You got half your people who are willing to die on this hill. The other half, eh. The half that are willing to die aren't enough to overcome your obstacles. And here are your obstacles. You're going to have the entire media industrial complex mm-hmm. against you. From yep. They're going to give you three days of a honeymoon period. Once Scalia is buried, that honeymoon is over. Then it's search and destroy. You got yeah. a president who knows the media is behind him, who's a lame duck and has zero to lose. Zero. And he knows this is his legacy. He just got handed on a silver plate. Yep. The, the next. He's already got two. Oh. He needs another. And he, for him. To get not just a third, but to but get to replace to get to replace Antonin Scalia. Oh my goodness! It doesn't get any better than that for Barack Obama. And if he really, really wanted to, he's got the authority, and he can use this at least as leverage yeah. to appoint a recess appointment, which he could do right now if he wanted to. Now he's smart, not doing it right away, because I think. And this is why I said I'm fascinated by what Obama's going to do. Because Obama's got so many cards here, he can go in, in one of two directions. If I'm, if I'm Obama, folks, because it's, it's important sometimes to put yourself in the enemy's position, to understand how doomed you really are, or yeah. potentially how a good a position you might be in. In this case, it's more doomed than a good position. If I'm Obama, there's one of two ways I'm going to go with this. The, you know, and I think he, he handled it from a political standpoint exactly right yesterday, saying, look, I'm going to appoint, you know, I'm going to nominate somebody, and I expect there to be a vote, but, you know, I'm going to start off slow. I'm not going to start off, you know, like a, a crazy person right off the, off the start of this thing. I'm going to start off taking the moral high ground. Let's take the process as it should go. Yeah, now, wait till Tuesday. Right. Well, no, that's going to change. No question. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is already out there doing the work, dirty work for him. And yeah. so, so here's here's he's got two choices. Is he going to go? Get, is he going to give the Republicans their best offer first and get worse as his leverage increases, or is he going to give them the worst offer first and get better so that Republicans might actually eventually take it and he wins? Those are the two options. Now, the, 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 the one option about, you know, starting off the worst and getting better so he might win would be the politically pragmatic thing to do. If, he's, if he doesn't want to completely humiliate the other side, he just wants to get the best 
liberal candidate in there to replace Scalia, he can. He would do it like this. The first person he would nominate is he would find some former Al-Qaeda member who has a law degree, <laughs> and he would nominate this person as a pure sacrificial lamb. So the Republicans <laughs> decide, no, we're not going to vote on that guy. So he gives him a month to not get a vote, and then uh, he tries somebody who's slightly less insane than that, and the Republicans knock that one down. And then, you know, all this time, the news media is, is crushing, slamming, crushing, yeah. crushing the Republicans. And by the way, not just crushing Mitch McConnell, crushing every GOP senator up for re-election this year. What do you think about it? Well, how in the world can the president, a sitting president, not get a vote on his Supreme Court nomination? This is unprecedented. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and all the rules, all the old, you know, all the thing, all the arguments Republicans are making in the last 24 hours will be moot. They will be irrelevant because it only counts if they're Democrats. So That's the media, right. so all along the media is pressuring and pressuring and pressuring. Then we get close to summertime. Maybe the media starts to lose interest. And then Obama says, all right, the media, you lost interest. I'm going to nominate Oprah. Now let's see what happens. And so Oprah gets nominated for a month, and it's a media mayhem again. And the Republicans don't vote on Oprah. And then, and then he finally gets serious. And by the time he finally gets serious and nominates somebody who's left of center. Horrible. Right, horrible. Horrible, but just, <laughs> just plain horrible. The rest of the country goes, well, wait a minute, this person seems great. And some Republicans might go, I'm tired of this. And the, Repub yes. and the GOP senators in the field are going, we're getting killed, Mitch. Mitch, yep. we're, I'm going to lose. And McConnell's getting polls every day where the yep. GOP brand is in the toilet, and he panics. And what's he going to do? What, what is Mitch McConnell going to do at that point? He's going to take that deal. He's yep. going to take the liberal nominee. That's what's going to happen. He has no choice because the other option— the other option in McConnell's mind, especially, by the way, if Trump's the nominee at that point, the other option is you're going to let Hillary Clinton choose with a Democratic Senate. Good and luck it's going to it's then it's going to be the Al Qaeda guy, uh, the uh, ISIS jihadi John or, is uh, going to go on the court or it might be Obama himself. How about that one? Or Eric Holder. Or Eric Holder. That's yeah. too much work for Obama. I agree. Trust me. He hasn't too much work. Because he hasn't had enough vacation time yet. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll need another couple of years of vacation to play golf before he's ready to go on the Supreme Court. But that's what you're left with, folks. You're left with Hillary choosing the nominee with a Democratic Senate, and McConnell's going to milk at that and go, this is better than what we're going to get otherwise. And that's why you're going to get a liberal justice uh, to replace Antonin Scalia. Now, uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll go through the other scenario, and then we'll get to the more direct, and also how this is going to impact the presidential race on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Check it out. Uh, talking about the death of Antonin Scalia and its political impact. And in the last segment, I went through one of the options, the strategic options that Barack Obama has, where he would go from the worst option 
the worst nominee first and then gradually get better until Republicans were forced by media pressure to accept that nominee. Lee, he could go in the other direction. I think that's what he's going to do. Really? Okay, so the, the other direction would be this. He provides the best option first. Shows mm-hmm. shows the nation and the media, I'm willing to be reasonable here, folks. Right. And he puts out, you know, somebody who ap- appears to be somewhat moderate, but, you know, it's going to be a liberal. Uh, because anybody – here's the reality, folks. If you don't know where somebody stands <laughs> – and they're not clearly conservative. They're a liberal, uh, especially, yep. uh, especially if Obama is even thinking about uh, nominating them. So, so, but they nominate somebody who's plausibly moderate, and that puts Republicans in a bind because McConnell may realize, well, this might be the best we get. So, what do we do here? But McConnell has to at least pretend to fight because. Half of his base is willing to die on this hill, as we said. So McConnell's in a bind there because he can't accept the first nominee. <laughs> so then so then we shoot down the first nominee, the media pressure builds, and the next one gets worse. And then we Carl shoot, Marx. Then we shoot that <laughs> one down, and the next one gets worse. And we get closer and closer to the election, and the poll numbers get worse and worse. And it becomes more and more clear that the Democrats are going to control the Senate and win the presidency, at which point McConnell has zero leverage. Zero. And, and then the devil gets nominated. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be the ultimate – that would be the path – of complete and total humiliation and annihilation of what was left of the conservative movement because McConnell would have, there's no, I'm trying to figure out what the good option here is because the only good option I can see at this point involves uh, Bernie Sanders being the Democratic nominee. That's, That's the only way we get out of this. And I'm serious because if McConnell doesn't fight, all right, if McConnell doesn't fight, you can eliminate Cruz and Rubio. Follow my logic here, right? Because Cruz Cruz can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's either going to destroy himself in a general election or he's going to destroy himself in the primary, or it might already be over because Trump will have won South Carolina and Nevada and it's over. So the point here is if they cave, that stench is going to be put on Rubio and Cruz. They ain't beating Trump. That means Trump's the nominee, which means if Hillary's the other nominee, we lose, and Hillary gets the pick if the fight continues through the, the election. That's right. So, That's right. So the only option here, the only path to potentially winning this. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> the only chance. I'm not sure. The only chance here is Fight and have Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton. And and to that end, by the way, you know, if, if I'm amazed that we have not seen, the, to my knowledge, any stories like this with all the millions and millions of dollars that have been wasted on Jeb Bush's super PAC and every other Good super PAC. Gosh. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars that have not impacted one iota this race. If you're a conservative, that one tenth of that money being donated to Bernie Sanders would do far more good to our cause at this point than anything you could do donating to any conservative candidate because it's our uh, only shot at this point. It is uh, our uh, only shot. I don't think Bernie Sanders, I mean, look at the delegate count. There's no way we'll, we'll, we'll get to they that. allow that. No, no, we'll get to that. But my, I'm saying there's a shot. 
You know, so you're telling me there's a chance. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a chance. If conservatives, if you want, if you want to have any impact on this election, donate to Bernie Sanders. Now, if you're a well-known conservative, have your your cousin or your nephew or your son, daughter, because they won't accept the money, or it'll be you know a scandal. But if you're not a well-known conservative, give your money to Bernie Sanders. It's our only chance here because. Any other scenario I can think of, and if you've got a different one, I'm more than open. Email me, Facebook me, uh, talk, you know, talk to Zig at AOL.com is my email. You hit me on Twitter. What's, what's the scenario? Because if we don't fight here, the conservative movement is going to blow apart. I mean, so there has to be a fight. There has to be a fight. But but I don't see a scenario, unless Sanders is the uh, the Democratic nominee, where that fight ends up in anything but disaster. Do you, Leah? No, I really don't, because, you know, the funny thing is that the Republicans are labeled as obstructionists. They've let Obama have pretty much anything he wanted the entire time he's been in the White House, yet they're still labeled that way. There's so much hate, that's uh, and no one really fights back against it. So this, this is not good. I'm telling you. I believe that Mitch McConnell needs to act like he's fighting it, but take the first nominee because they're going to get worse and worse and worse. You might be right. You know, you just reminded me of of a really important point because there are people listening to us right now going, well, wait a minute. I'm not sure I'm buying this lack of leverage. Let me give you a great example that dovetails off of something you just said about how little leverage Republicans have. Let's say McConnell fights this. And makes it clear we're not going to uh, vote on any Obama nominee because the next president ought to choose the uh, the next Supreme Court justice. Let's pretend that happens. And the fight appears to be real. And it goes on for a while. Guess what the Democrats are going to get to do? Because the media will let them. There's going to be a spending bill that will come up. And Democrats will be able – this is absurd, but they'll be able to get away with this. They'll be able to say we won't vote for a spending bill unless and until we get a vote on a Supreme Court justice and the media will portray the ensuing government shutdown as being forced by Republicans. Yep. By Republicans. That's It's idiotic. It's insane. It's absurd. But that's what will happen because in the media – This me- is what we're dealing with. <laughs> this is what the media – in the media's mind, they'll go, well, sure, that makes sense because, you know, if, if the Republicans are shutting down the nominating process, then doesn't right. that mean the government's already shut down? So so really what the Democrats are doing here, they're, they're just trying to have good government. So that makes total sense. We're going to let this go. The, the Democrats right. are right here. And, of course, the people that are being swayed in the middle that actually defer- determine everything are – Imbecile. So they're not going to be able to figure it out on their own. They're not going to be able to see through that line of bull crap. They're going to go, oh, yeah, boy, the Republicans are shutting down the government over this, over not letting uh, elected a president uh, nominate his own. They're not even giving him a vote to nominating his own Supreme Court justice. That doesn't seem right. Damn, right. I hate those obstructionist Republicans. That's how this will go down. And there but is. But see, your two scenarios that you just laid out for us. In my mind, there's no question because you laid out one that you said would be total humiliation, basically punishment for the Republicans. So there's no question that's the path he's taking. And because he all he wants to do is humiliate the Republicans in any way that he can. So that's the way this is going to go down. But if but if that's the case and his the best nominee he nominates is the first one. 
and McConnell takes it, get, uh, then there's going to be a revolt. I mean, we're already, the conservative base is already, already, this is why this is the perfect storm. The conservative base is understandably already completely untrusting of the establishment. So if they get betrayed on this, forget about it. They'll stay home and the Republicans will get crushed anyway because they'll decide what difference does it make at this point. At this point, does it make? I mean, so, so, so there's no path. Bernie Sanders is the only path. <laughs> I'm telling you, there, that is the only path to surviving yes, but, this. But Bernie, Donald Trump even loses to Bernie no, Sanders. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I'll, tell, I'll explain why that doesn't happen uh, in hour number two, because we'll get to the results of the New Hampshire primary and what's going to happen in South Carolina, the big debate, all sorts of great stuff coming up in the next two hours. Of the John and Leah Show, our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. I'm John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. Stay tuned for hour number two coming up next.